0: Welcome to Beat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast, presented by First Federal Bank. It's Monday, June 13th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking Chiefs today with beat writers Herbie Teopi and Jesse Newell. We've arrived at the final week of off-season workouts, mandatory minicamp, and as Herbie tells us, we're likely to see some veteran players we haven't seen in the earlier weeks of workouts. But one who probably won't be in Kansas City is left tackle Orlando Brown Jr., and we discuss his contract situation. Also, we get into why 2022 is a big season for running back Clyde Edwards-Alaire and linebacker Nick Bolton. Okay, let's get started talking Chiefs with Herbie and Jesse. All right, I just checked the weather. It's like 84 degrees outside now as we record this on Monday morning. The Chiefs are going to work out Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday this week and the temperatures are supposed to go up into the mid-90s. A little unseasonably warm. They'll stay outdoors, though, won't they, Herbie, for this?
1: Yeah, they'll, they'll be outdoors. And my understanding is the fans, well, uh, season ticket holders, will be out there Wednesday. So the Chiefs will be outdoors. Yeah, So, so bring your sunscreen, bring your uh, sweat towels, and prepare to be in the sauna.
0: Yeah, bring your water for sure. Um, you know, it's funny, Herbie when the when the season ends and for the Chiefs it was in the AFC Championship game this year you know you watch the Super Bowl and and then the draft comes along and you know when the draft is but for me after the draft I'm always a little unclear year after year about what the schedule is for you know the NFL the offseason um, and not the offseason but the workouts in the spring and the summer and so, yeah, I mentioned that they're going to work out this week, mandatory minicamp, uh, the 14th through the 16th. After that, though, that, that is it, right? That's their, that is their downtime for a few weeks until training camp starts. And um, just remind us what uh, just how short the NFL offseason is.
1: Yeah, the, the only true NFL offseason is upon us after the end of mandatory minicamp. You'll get a five-and-a-half-week break before they report for training camp in late July. And as as most fans know, and as most media people know, and even the players and coaching staff know, the NFL is year-round, 365, 24-7. They have managed to stay in the news cycle. Uh, When you compare them to other sports, the other sports don't even come close to what the NFL is. You mentioned the end of Super Bowl, and we think that's the, quote, off-season end quote. But now all of a sudden you're preparing for the combine, and then you have free agency, and then you've got the you know pre-draft workouts, and then you got the draft, and then right after the draft, a week after the draft is rookie minicamp. Oh, a week after rookie minicamp, you have the start of organized team <laughs> activities. So you've got ten days of uh, OTAs, and now we're at the final stage of phase three of the off off-season in air quotes workout program, uh, and that's where it caps off with the three-day mandatory minicamp. The difference now for this next week here is it's mandatory. So guys like Frank Clark and and Chris Jones, who worked out on their own during OTAs and were not out there, they have to be uh, at the team facility for mandatory minicamp or they face a fine.
0: I'm glad you went over uh, the schedule there because Jesse, this is Jesse Newell. This is his first year covering the NFL. Uh, He may want to back out of it now when he hears uh... You know, it is, it really is nonstop, and as much as you know, every every sport has an elongated off season now. It seems to me, even the colleges, but there's nothing like the NFL. The NFL can they can drag out a, a calendar better than any you know any sport going. So the other you know, as you said, we're, we'll see some Chiefs this week that we haven't seen before. But what about Orlando Brown? What's, um, what do we, what, what's, what's his story? Where is he? And uh, what, you know, he had some interesting thoughts uh, that he made public this past week. I, let me, let me see if I've got this right. Um, he told uh, was an NFL network in um, a quote, the chiefs don't want to end don't want to enter 2020 with a backup left tackle. So um, he's right about that, but, uh, What uh, what are the prospects of a of a deal getting done for Orlando Brown and when are we going to see him?
1: Well, we probably won't see him until training camp, and a lot of that's really going to depend on if they sign him to a long term deal. One of two scenarios: he either signs a long term deal by July the fifteenth, or if a deal is not in place because that's the NFL deadline, he signs the franchise tag. uh, Here's the biggest holdup. The holdup, was, the previous biggest holdup was he did not have an agent. He signed over, he hired an agent last week. Uh, Andy Reid mentioned that once that agent was signed, Brett Veach and Brown's camp are now in talks. Okay. But deadlines, and this is the NFL way deadline spur action. Uh, so you you look back at how they handled Chris Jones and his franchise tag a couple of years ago. He also didn't attend mandatory mini camp, but it went all the way up until July the 15th, and lo and behold, a long-term deal is done. This is how it works in the National Football League, not just with the Chiefs, but other teams as well. When you see franchise tag players, something doesn't get done during mandatory minicamp. If it does happen, I will be stunned, uh, but better the better scenario is closer to July the 15th is when we'll start hearing whether he's going to join the team on a long-term deal. Or he's going to play 2022 on the franchise tag, which pays 16.6 million a year.
0: He says he's very confident that something's going to get done. So, uh, you know, he, yeah. Look, the, the the Chiefs don't want to go into 2022 with a with a backup left tackle. But if, if if it becomes a worst case scenario, what what kind of options are there for the Chiefs on the uh, on the left side? I you know, Joe Tooney played a little bit of that. You know, a couple of snaps there last year, did he not? And what um, what what would be some options for the Chiefs there?
1: Jesse, yeah, so you want to take that? I feel like I'm hogging the show, man. Go for it, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean – Orlando said it.
2: There's no good options, right? Um, that's not the options that the Chiefs want. So if they had a holdout, uh, that would be a problem for them, especially for a team that, you know, Brad Beach, we're going to keep repeating this quote, but it's right. I mean, if you have Patrick Mahomes, you're going for it, you know, and you make all these moves, you do all these things. They might have taken a, a small step back by trading off Tyreek Hill and uh, getting those draft picks back, becoming younger and pushing open their window longer. But you know, they they don't want to scramble at this position. Now, potentially, you could make a trade late in the process. Um, the Chiefs did that, obviously, to get Orlando Brown um, a couple years ago so or, or last offseason. So, that would be the potential. The only thing to keep in mind with that, and I, I don't think Brett Meach was joking with this, is that the capital that the Chiefs needed to get Orlando Brown was a first-round draft pick. Next year's first-round draft pick for the Chiefs is taking place in Kansas City. So I, you know, Brevi sort of joked about how Clark had already, Clark Hunt, the uh, the owner of the Chiefs, had talked about, hey, I do not want you to trade the first round draft pick for next year's draft. I don't think that's really a joke. (laughs) I think the Chiefs uh, want their fans to be there for a first round draft pick. I don't think I want to be like the Raiders were this past year where their fans were just kind of waiting there in Las Vegas to see their team pick and had to wait a couple rounds to see it. So, He's right. There are no good options. But Hurry mentioned this. I mean, even if the two sides don't come to a deal, he can play on the tag. And if he plays on the tag, then obviously um, that pushes this thing down the line a little bit and potentially both sides benefit from it. Orlando Brown could then maybe play like the best left tackle in the NFL. And if he does, then maybe this will just be a one-year marriage again for the Chiefs and him and both sides get what they want out of it. But, uh, you know, his words maybe weren't taken that well by Chiefs fans and people out there, but he's not necessarily wrong. The Chiefs did not make all these moves in the offseason to uh, get to training camp and not have a left tackle. So it seems like a deal will get done, I would, or at least some sort of arrangement will get done, and, and that he'll be playing for the Chiefs at left tackle because uh,
1: both sides really don't benefit much if he doesn't play for them. Here's here's something interesting about this as well because Orlando Brown has not participated in OTAs, so he missed 10 days, and and again, I don't expect him to be out there for mini-camp because he's not under contract, so he technically he has an excused absence. But what the Chiefs have done is given them an opportunity to look at two specific players, drawn Christian, who they signed from uh who signed a one-year contract during free agency, he brings experience. This is a guy who's played uh, with the Houston Texans and I believe the Miami Dolphins. And then you've got Roderick Thomas, or excuse me, Johnson, another guy who has experience. This is a player over the last three seasons uh, played for the Houston Texans. So, you know, you have to identify that swing tackle. Uh, Andrew Wiley projects as your right tackle, but with Orlando Brown, not here, you got, you know, you you have the opportunity to see what Christian and uh, J- Johnson can do if they have to be that guy in the event Orlando Brown's not there. But that's the worst case scenario. You want Orlando Brown for the start of the regular season.
0: Yeah, didn't Orlando Brown, um, you know, kind of give some indication that he he definitely wants to be around? He wants to get this done. I mean, he was at Mahomes' wedding, and you know, he's he. It, the, we'll do him. The, look, the Chiefs did him a solid, right? When they obtained it, they were the ones who made him a left tackle. He was at right. He was on the right side in Baltimore. So, um, you know, I, I'm not saying he owes the Chiefs anything, but I, I think there's going to be a a willingness on his side to get things done here. Um, yeah. it, it's it's I think it's 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 going to happen. I'm not saying I'm, I'm usually confident that these things will get done. It just sometimes they they take a little longer than fans would like. And I'm trying to think in recent memory um, when something like, you know, you go back to last year, you know, Tyron Matthew was in this position of uh, in a similar position, just when it came to you know signing an extension to his deal and it never did get done. And of course, Tyron Matthew's gone. Um, I I don't know. I I think this one, this one's going to happen. It's going to get done. And I I agree with you, Herbie. We're not going to see Orlando Brown this week. Um, but look for him in St. Joe that that's, that's, you know, when he comes to the podium on that 98 degree day, you know, under the tent in St. Joe, uh, dripping in sweat. That's the, that's the next time we will hear from, from Orlando Brown. Um, all right. I wanted to talk about another guy on the offensive side. Uh, and that is Clyde edwards elaire Kind of a big, kind of a big year for him coming up, isn't it, Jesse? They've, you know, he's, you know, first round pick in in um, you know 2020. He's played in 23 of 33 regular season games, started all of them, and, and you know the the started all 23 games. But he's had injuries, and and that's kind of hurt his development. And um and and really, whatever the plans may the Chiefs may have had when they drafted him in the first round. Uh, because of the injuries, it's really been more of a running backs by committee the last couple of years. So, uh, to the list of um, big, you know big things are expected from, uh, I would put Clyde edwards alaire close to the top of that list. Uh, what what do you think about C.E.H. this season?
2: Well, it was great to talk to him last week. Um, right, he was. He was Amazing in the media room, even with uh, the quote of the day where he talked about, you know, kind of the age curves of running backs and the reality of the situation. And there's always a new one coming up. And then ended it by saying, hey, all of you reporters, you aren't going to be here forever either. So uh, <laughs> kind of letting us all know um, our own uh, time spans are, are among us, which was great. You know, Gotta get. what, what did with... Adam
0: Teicher say about that? Uh,
2: I, I mean, I think he was nodding in agreement with the rest <laughs> of us. Yeah. I mean, he was he was there with it. Um, yeah. So two things with C.E.H., um, you know, and, and first off, I want to say everybody go check out Sam McDowell's uh, great piece on it from this weekend because it kind of summarizes the situation really well, including talking about his rookie deal and how after this season, the Chiefs will have to decide whether they want to take up the fifth year option on CEH, which makes this an important year for him. With the Chiefs, Uh, the the two things, though, to me, if you're looking at this just statistically, the Chiefs were a really good run blocking team last year, Uh, and that partly goes to credit to the offensive line, whether it was Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith blowing guys off the ball, Orlando Brown, the aforementioned guy, uh, they were able to make up some creases and open up some holes. Not only that, Patrick Mahomes serves serves some some credit because obviously teams are going, you know, light boxes against the chiefs to try to force them to run. The problem for the chiefs was they were not getting many yards beyond what was blocked, at least if you're looking at the statistics there. And uh, that's not a good sign for the chiefs because what happens when you don't get those yards is you kind of feel like you're pigeonholed into an area where you have to keep throwing the football. Now we know Andy Reid, we know his MO. He's going to throw it more than most coaches. Anyway, that's what he's done. And he's going to try to figure out a way, even if teams are dropping eight to figure out a way to piece it together and make it sh- so that the chiefs can still throw through that. The easier option, though, is just to run it. You know, the easier option is just, hey, if your line is blocking for four or five yards and you're running back and fall forward for two or three more and you gain eight on first down, then that's solving a lot of your problems without having to do really creative things in the passing game. So I think that's where CEH, um, you know, he's not a huge dude in that aspect. He hasn't always been a goal back for the Chiefs, but you mentioned it, Blair. He talked about some of the injuries he's had and feeling much better at this point in, in his career. I, I think that's a positive for him going in. Potentially, we haven't seen the best of him there. And the second that brings me to the second part about um, all this uh, with him and the Chiefs, because obviously they did bring in Ronald Jones behind him. But, you know, back in the day, Andy Reid will play to his, you know, one of his great strengths. I mean, we can talk about Andy Reid. We can talk about Bill Self. But they have a certain roster and they figure out what they do best and then they cater to that. But if you look back a few years ago, like with Kareem Hunt, the Chiefs are throwing the ball to the running back all the time. And even you can look back in the playoff game against Pittsburgh where they had McKinnon. I mean, they were they can use that part of the offense when it's there. And a lot of times when teams are dropping back so many guys, uh, the open route is going to be the receiver. Why we have not seen CEH in pass routes uh, or used more in the passing game? I mean, that's kind of been the biggest question. Uh, for him, I think, since he's been drafted, because we all kind of envisioned that role for him when he came out of LSU. So to me, those are the two things with him. Can you get the blocked yards and then a couple more and turn in, instead of picking the wrong hole, making it second and eight, making it second and two, and and all of a sudden, it makes more sense to run the football? And then will he be utilized as a back that can catch out of the backfield? Without Tyreek Hill, I think the Chiefs are going to need more of that this year. And whether CEH can do that or not, I think is going to play a big part in whether he plays a bunch or not.
0: Yeah, and and um, in addition to Ronald Jones, they went out and drafted uh, a running back and Isaiah Pacheco, and there's still Derek Gore on the roster as well. I don't think the Chiefs will end up keeping four running backs because of um, their, their, you know, the fact that they keep fullback as well.
2: Hold on, real quick. Hold on. Let, let me my first official one, Herbie. This is for you. It wouldn't surprise me if. Isaiah Pacheco could be on kickoff return duty. We'll see what happens, though. Um, you know, the Chiefs don't have many obvious candidates there to uh, do that potential role. So if he does make the team, it wouldn't surprise me if he might be uh, using that role.
0: Hmm. OK, good to know. Good to know. All right. You know what? Let's, let's take a break here. Good time to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we got a couple other uh, items to discuss. We'll be right back. Go to kansascity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. We're back on Sports BKC, Talking Chiefs, with B writers Herbie Teopi and Jesse Newell. And uh, I had Clyde Edwards-Alaire on the list of players for which we will expect big things from in 2022. On the other side of the ball, maybe Nick Bolton tops that list. Uh, he uh, uh, he had an outstanding rookie season. Um, the, the linebacker out of Missouri got better as the year went on. I can remember the first month of the year thinking, boy, the game's just a little too fast for him. And uh, And if it was, he caught up to it in a hurry. He ended up Having a great year, led led the Chiefs in tackles uh, last season. So, but his role changes this year, doesn't it, Herbie? What's um, he? He moves, he slides over, and when you slide over at linebacker to the middle, you get uh, you get an added responsibility.
1: Yeah, you become the green dot, and you know the guy's only twenty two years old. He steps in and fills the role that Anthony Hitchens played last year, and then you think about that defense uh, over the past couple of seasons, but. Spagnolo, Andy Reid, everybody always raved about Anthony Hitchens' leadership and his ability to get the defensive properly aligned, and that's now going to fall on the young Nick Bolton. But you know, this guy, as you mentioned last year, productive season. The guy was all over the place. As the weak side linebacker, you know, you, you saw how his ability to stop the run at team high uh, 112 tackles, you know, that, that's for a reason, because he's always around the football, but now as the middle guy, He's still going to be around the football, but he has to make sure that when he gets those plays called in on from the sideline, that he relays it properly. Brandon Daly, though, the new linebackers coach mentioned uh, two weeks ago, he's enjoying what he's seeing. He, he loves the way that Bolton is communicating with his teammates. And, hey, so far, so good. Even Andy Reid said this is the year that you typically see first-year linebackers make that jump to the second year. And one of the other things that he's really going to need to work on is his ability to defend against the pass. Because if you remember coming out of Missouri, that was always the biggest knock on Nick Bolton. Oh, he can tackle, but he can't defend the pass. And I think Jesse and I will agree on this. Last week uh, out there at OTAs, we saw him make plays against the pass, had an interception, a nifty interception. Uh, Patrick Mahomes tried to squeeze a pass in between Bolton and Reed, uh, Justin Reed, and Bolton tipped the ball up in the air and intercepted it. And it was like, holy smokes, yeah, he's he's there. He's, he's getting there.
0: Okay, so I um, so that's something I wouldn't be surprised to see him improved against the past because you saw it and, and wrote about it. Okay, very interesting. Good to know. <laughs> um, he's also changed uniform numbers, didn't he?
1: Back to 32. That's his college number. But, of course, yeah. he took it because, you know, Tyron Matthew is now with the New Orleans Saints, and so 32 became available, so he, he went back to his college. Yeah,
0: green green dot and number 32 very much signifies defensive leaders on uh, for for the Chiefs. Um let's talk about a couple of former Chiefs. Uh why don't we start with this? <laughs> there were a couple of retirements announced last week. One of which uh I, I thought was I, I I guess I I wouldn't have known that he retired unless someone had mentioned it in a uh in a news conference. That's Gary Dieter, the, the, uh, the wide receiver. What did, did, how many passes did he catch in his chief's career? Two, two passes. I, I remember the first one, it from, it was from Chad Henney. So, um, so his, you know, his lifelong, not lifelong, but his chief's long friendship with Patrick Mahomes, you know, they, they did a lot of off field stuff together, uh, especially early in their careers, and the first reception he gets is not from Mahomes, but from Chad Henney. I thought was interesting. Um, he also caught a pass in the playoffs. I can't remember which game, but he has a playoff reception as well. Uh, okay, that's enough on Gehrig Dieter. The other thing is, look, he's the Gehrig part, he's named for Lou Gehrig, the baseball player. I thought that was always interesting. But the other one, and a little more significant, was the retirement of Laurent Duvernay-Tardif from the NFL, of course, he played his final season with the New York Jets, but uh, but he was uh, he was a Kansas City Chief for was it five or whatever it was five or six years, and quite a quite a find really from the former general manager John Dorsey got him in the was it the sixth round fifth round sixth round Herbie I can't remember which one from McGill University in Montreal, and of course. He is uh, he's retired to continue to pursue his, you know his, his uh, quest to become a you know a doctor. He's going into residency at McGill. So um, he was a start he was a starting uh, right guard for the Super Bowl champion chiefs and was a really good player. Herbie, I, you were covering the chiefs. This was before your saints uh, tenure, but you were covering the chiefs, I think when Dorsey and uh, company drafted Ltd. And basically redshirted him for the first year. And uh, after that, put him in the starting lineup and played pretty well for several seasons.
1: Yeah, absolutely. 2015 draft pick. And uh, you remember being fascinated by his background because here was a guy who was going to be a doctor. while well, he was in medical school, and the Chiefs understood that, and they allowed him to go back and forth during the offseason to continue his medical studies. You know, kudos to this guy, though. You know, he – he sat out, he opted out that, uh, during COVID remember when the NFL allowed players to opt out, uh, over concerns of that, but he opted out because he wanted to stay in Canada to help fight against the initial surge there, which, which I thought was tremendous. And, you know, he kind of like, I remember in Miami, uh, for Bowl week, I remember the Canadian reporters asking him about it. And then, and I think that's the first time I ever heard of COVID when, you know, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif was, was like warning people at the Super Bowl, hey, this this is coming and this is going to be serious. So, you know, he, he was right. But kudos to him. You know, great NFL career, the, the ability to balance both. And now he's in residency and, you know, he's going to he's going to thrive there.
2: Yeah, real quickly, just to be official official here, uh, the reports I've seen, unless you've seen something different, Blair, is that Uh, It's paused for now. It's not retirement. So he's still 31. He says he's going to get through residency. That should happen in September when he will reevaluate. I would sure think once you get through residency that uh, that will take presence over the rest of your life and you will move on from there and he'll take on that different challenge. But uh, I'm not sure LDT would love us telling telling everybody he's retired because it looks like technically he is leaving that option on the table. It doesn't seem like an option he's going to take, but um, to be officially official, not officially off of the NFL market yet.
0: He's retiring. Good god. Man, good. <laughs> yeah, you leave the game for uh, to do this, you you're not coming back. Um but uh salute to him. Uh was uh, really enjoyed talking to him in the locker room and uh he he was um uh always, you know, j- just a great teammate and a and a terrific person to to get to know a little bit. All right, there's another former chief who was in the news last week. Maybe you heard about this. I don't know. Uh Tyreek Hill uh, dropped a podcast. So this is the only podcast I listen to. So I, I don't even know. I just have to, um, uh, you know, I, I take the word of others uh, when it comes to other podcasts beyond sports BKC. So, um, but Tyree Kill had, um, you know, had some things to say about his time with the chiefs and how it came to an end and why it came to an end. And what, um, uh, maybe the, 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 the lines that that I'll, I'll repeat here that that resonated the most was him saying i don't want to be a diva but can i see the pill sometimes please uh, as if he wasn't getting enough action um for the chiefs now he had a career best 111 receptions in in by far a career best i mean maybe 20 more than his previous high something like that and um i, I don't i really don't know where that's coming from and you know, said he would have signed for less than the, you know, the Devontae Adams contract. That ain't had, that wasn't true. So what a, uh, you know, why can, can can you not appreciate the, you know, your time in Kansas city and, you know, and, and and move on to the dolphins have a, you know, you know, know, help to it become a good quarterback and help the dolphins become a playoff team. But no, he's got to, you know, he's got to kind of, uh, kicked the Chiefs a little bit on the way out. So I was a little surprised by the comments. I don't know about you, Herbie. What, what did uh, what did you think about Tyreek Hill?
1: This, this much I do know because you know during the trade, you know, I was able to gather up some information. I know the Chiefs made him a competitive offer. That much we know. We know that Tyreek Hill was considering it before the Devontae Adams deal went down. Once the Devontae Adams deal went down, it reset the wide receiver market. And they came back with another number that the Chiefs simply just could not match. Because during that time, they were cap-strapped. So the Chiefs made a good-faith effort to keep Tyreek Hill here in Kansas City. If Tyreek Hill is saying he would have came back here uh, for less money, I don't know if he told Drew Rosenhaus that. (laughs) That's his agent. I don't know if Drew Rosenhaus was aware of that, because maybe they might have tried to accommodate it. 111 receptions last year. It's a team record. You know he, he shattered Travis Kelsey's record, which was set just a year before. So the Chiefs made every effort to get him to football last year, even when the deep game was take was taken away by defenses because that's the way they were playing them. But they still made the concerted effort every week to, to find him. You know, try to get him targets underneath. So I, I don't. I agree with you. I don't. I don't know where this is coming from.
0: Yeah, just a little. Yeah, it did made headlines last week and. Uh, or I guess the weekend, wasn't it? It was the, the, uh, the pod was really, I, I forgot when the pod was released. I just saw some comments uh, yesterday. So anyway, they don't play each other, right? The chiefs and the dolphins are not uh, aligned on the 2022 schedule. So, uh, so there won't be that kind of juicy matchup that TV really loves when comments like this are made. Maybe, maybe the chiefs and the dolphins will play in the playoffs. We'll have to see. All right. Um, Final week of, uh, of uh, Chiefs offseason uh, camp this week and probably going to hear from some players we haven't heard from in a while. Don't you think, Herbie? Uh, uh, maybe a Chris Jones, maybe a Frank Clark at the podium this week. That'll be interesting. Um, we will look forward to that. And we'll talk again before we shut it all down for the short break that NFL teams take before training camp begins. So, For Jesse Newell and Herbie Teope, I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. That'll do it for today. Thanks to the Sportsbeat KC production staff of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Also, a shout-out to our sponsor, First Federal Bank. Their website is ffbkc.com. Tip of the cap to Herbie Teope and Jesse Newell for sharing their insights on the Chiefs. Today's morning sports edition had stories and features on the Royals, Mizzou, KU, plus coverage of the NBA Finals, the weekend in auto racing, and much more. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com for more information. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another SportsBKC. KC.